Welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of From the Inside Podcast. I'm your host, Joyce. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, Laleda Baraki. Laleda, thank you so much for coming. Can you please say a few words to introduce yourself? Yes, thank you for having me. Um, my name is Laleda. I'm a first year at Yale, um, and I'm a prospective biomedical engineering major. Um, on campus, I am currently the president of my first year class. I've been focusing on building community throughout our remote year. Um, I'm also involved in the Women's Leadership Initiative and specifically within the Leading Ladies Gala, which focuses on empowering and recognizing female leaders on campus, whether that be um, student leaders, people who are just like amazing people and support one another, um, as well as artists and writers. Um, and besides those two, I am also part of Yale Debate Association, which is just like competitive debating. So that's basically who I am. Um, I was originally born in Eritrea. I lived in Botswana for a few years, and I've been in America for about 10 years now. I love um, the idea of having the Yale leading ladies, empowering women and like showing students and, and other leaders like what women can do. So would you mind elaborating on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So basically the way that the Leading Ladies Gala functions is um, anybody can nominate any female leader that they feel has impacted them or just our community overall. And then as a committee, we go through all the nominations and make like this giant um, slideshow, which we then like showcase on the day of the gala, which was actually just last night. Um, and it's really incredible just being like behind the scenes because I can see like all the wonderful things people say about one another. Because like what we put on the slideshow is just their accomplishments, what they do on campus, what they're studying, etc. But they don't get to see like what we see, which is, oh, this person is so incredible. Like they're a light in the classroom or they've impacted me in this way. And it's like really awesome. And um, yesterday while the slideshow was going on, um, we had, I think, eight or nine different performers, like poets, um, people who are doing like music production, but live, which was really incredible to see lots of singers and artists. It was just amazing to be a part of and just to see like how diverse our community is in terms of like what we're leaders in. Because sometimes when people think of leaders, they're like, oh, officers from a club, not necessarily like musicians and poets and just overall like super nice people. And we actually had um, a keynote speaker who was also a student. Um, she is the president of the Yale uh, Muslim Association. And she was basically just talking about um, like the greatest impact a woman can have is just supporting another woman and like empowering another woman. So like just the overall spirit and energy of the, the gala was really incredible to be a part of. I think it's really interesting how you said, how the keynote speaker said that the most powerful thing that another woman can do is support other women. And yeah. you feel that like um, Yale really encourages that kind of culture within the school? I think... It's a lot less of, you know, Yale encouraging this culture, whereas like it's students and peers kind of building that community ourselves. Um, I've definitely felt like the collaborative and inclusive environment that like a lot of people feel that Yale is known for or maybe feel like Yale is not known for. But I don't think necessarily it's like the institution itself that's creating these spaces. It's definitely just like incredible women um, who are, you know, it's like upperclassmen instilling this culture on on underclassmen like us. And then we just kind of continue that cycle. But I've definitely felt like super loved and welcome in the space. And it's definitely because it's just like the people and like the students that I'm learning with. It's great to hear that you're having a wonderful experience. And of course, that means many, by extension, many other women are as well. Um, yeah. 
Do you think that it's been hard to kind of foster this environment online or? I will say um, just talking to upperclassmen, they have told us like, yes, it's completely different if we had like a normal year in terms of like the communities we were able to build. Um, so it's definitely been really challenging online. I would say um, in some aspects, yes, we're like a strong class and yes, we're very close to each other. But in other aspects, it's like a lot of it is just kind of online or through GroupMe or on Zoom. So it's just, it's incredibly different. And that's like one of the main reasons I decided to, you know, join student government this year. Previously, I had just like no interest and or experience in that kind of space. But I felt like it was really important for us to kind of just try and build community in whatever way we can, especially because it's just, it's really easy to feel alone um, in like an online space with COVID and stuff. Like I know a lot of students have been struggling with that. So it's it's been really important to me to kind of just try and create that space. And a lot of other students have just been incredible in doing that as well. Yeah. Um, I have a question about your uh, involvement with like first year class council as the president um, and also being a black woman. Do you feel like that sort of creates additional pressure for you? Honestly, I don't think so. Um, the way that like the first year um, class council functions is it's two representatives from each of the residential colleges. So it's like about 30 people um, that like work together in one space and really like being the president it means a lot less than people think it means. Um, I just like run the meetings and just kind of like facilitate discussions in terms of like ideas we have for the class. So I really don't feel like additional pressure. I just feel like I'm working with like a really incredible team in terms of like all the events that we're working on. Um, there really hasn't been a time, um, which is like interesting and weird. There hasn't been a time where I feel like um, being a black woman has like created or maybe like separated me from a space within like student government I will say that sometimes yes there's additional pressure of you know you want to um you want to succeed in this role to make sure that you know other women of color will follow if that makes sense um because I think Yale has had maybe like five in terms of like the overall president of our class or like of our college there's been like five female leaders which is crazy considering how old Yale is. So it's like every single woman who enters like a leadership position or space within like student government can feel this additional pressure to, you know, succeed and make sure that um, other women still have like that space. Yeah, I agree with like what you mean about not feeling outside because of your race, but feeling that you have to represent. Um, Because as a club leader and like student council leader at my school, like I do feel that as well. And as a woman in STEM, I was wondering if you feel that same sense of collaboration among peers, especially because there's a lack of representation. Yeah. Um, Actually, last semester, I wrote an article for Yale Science Magazine about um, women in STEM, specifically like women of color in STEM. And the way that I decided to frame that piece was just to talk about or talk to um, other women of color who... um, are like majoring in various STEM related majors. Um, And so when I talked to a lot of them, they had just said like, it's been extremely difficult because sometimes when you are one of the few people that are representing your gender or your race, um, it can be extremely difficult because anything you do wrong feels like you're representing everybody who looks like you. Um, And anything you do right can easily be like undermined or um, like stepped on. And a lot of women that I talked to just said like, when I'm in these spaces or like when I'm working with people on a project, I don't feel heard or like my ideas aren't valued and like all of these things. Um, 
I personally haven't experienced too much of that just yet, just because, um, you know, being online, you don't necessarily collaborate or experience environment the same way. But just from like their anecdotes, I think it's definitely like a reality that a lot of women of color do face. But um, one of the women that I talked to, she's actually a first year and a really good friend of mine. She said that the way that she's been able to find community is there's like lots of organizations that are like women in chemistry or women of color in computer science. And she happens to be majoring in computer science. So she's just kind of like found her community there and built herself a support system. So I think that's like the most important thing to do um, as somebody who is underrepresented in a field. It's just to make sure that everybody else who also feels that way kind of becomes like your network and support system. Um, and I think that that's definitely something I wanna work on next year in terms of like finding that support system. Because I mean, although I haven't necessarily experienced that as like a STEM student, I do experience like the, the um, like very common imposter syndrome and just like this feeling of like, do I belong here? Um, do I have like, merit to get in here you know like was it a fluke like blah blah blah, like all these things um that everyone has thoughts about i think the best way to kind of combat that and work around that is to find your community speaking of imposter syndrome and like feelings of not belonging or like do you ever fear that affirmative action might have been a reason um honestly no i don't think affirmative action is a reason that any person of color or any like minority gets into a school um, a lot of people have told me that, like a lot of people I went to high school with or just like random people on the internet, they're just like, oh, like you only got in because you're black, because you're a woman, blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, every other person of color I've met at Yale has been like absolutely incredible. Like there's literally no way they could have like not gotten into the school. Um, I think a lot of times people will diminish other people's um, accomplishments just to kind of like make themselves feel better. But like understanding how affirmative action works, because I did end up doing like a lot of research about it just because those comments have been made to me so many times. It really is not like anybody who is a minority will get into a school or something like that. Um, so no, I don't feel like affirmative action got me here, but it is that, you know, Yale is like a very prestigious school and there's amazing people like every, every corner you turn. So it's just really natural to feel that. Yeah, I think it'll be really comforting to um, any incoming freshmen who might be listening to this to hear that, you know, they earn their spot here. It's not because of their race. It's because of who they are as a person and all the amazing things they've done. So thank you for providing that perspective to, well, I guess it'd be people my age. <laughs> so while we're on the topic of race, um, have you ever felt afraid to speak out of certain issues? Like, Personally, I've been told that I should stay quiet to avoid becoming a target or like create tension between people. So have you experienced any of that? Um, not exactly. Um, so I did go to high school in a like very white place. Um, so there weren't as many like black people, for example, um, when I was like a freshman until a senior. Um, and I never necessarily like felt afraid to speak out about race or because of my race. Um, but I think a lot of that has to do with just, you know, not necessarily like fully growing up here and like having lived other places. Like when I first came to America, I think I was nine years old maybe. Um, I didn't even know what racism was. And I didn't even like understand the concept that, oh, people will think of me differently because I'm black. Um, it was something that was definitely like a learned behavior as soon as I came to America. 
And that probably changed my perspective because it wasn't instilled in me like from a young age. Um, so I did feel super comfortable constantly like speaking out about race in classrooms or with friends in like different spaces. Um, but yes, um, I would say like more recently, I have become more careful of the spaces I choose to speak about race just because it is like such a high tension issue um, as it always has been. But just like seeing so many black and brown people dying like every single day it does it does make me like more conscious of where i choose to speak out how i choose to speak out and that's it's honestly it's really sad um actually literally yesterday i was having this conversation with my sister because we went to get our nails done at this like new place and then um right when we sat down they're like oh can you pay first before we do your nails and then we were like what because we just saw like this white woman who had gotten her nails done and then she went to go pay so then we we're like, do they think that we like can't afford to get our nails done or like, what is this? You know what I mean? Um, so it was just like, it was one of those spaces where we're like, do we want to have this confrontation here or do we just want to like get our, you know, get our nails done and leave? And, you know, I feel like a lot of people do experience situations like that where it's like, is it worth having this conversation? Um, and I think sometimes it's not necessarily being afraid of creating tension but just like for your own sanity and for your own mental health, like, do you need to have this conversation or should you less let this person like live in their ignorance? Um, so that's just something I've been grappling with really recently too. Right. So that sometimes it's, sometimes you have to make that decision and it's really hard because you want to say something because it's wrong, but it might not be, you know, worth the, worth the payoff or worth the effort it takes to do that. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's really shocking to hear that you've experienced that, you know, just yesterday. It really shows how, how common it's become. And yeah. this, this, I would say, is an example of a microaggression. And I really, I really don't like that term because micro seems to imply that the impact is insignificant, which yeah. I would disagree with. And I'd just like to hear what do you think about that? Yeah, I definitely agree with you. It's definitely a reductive way to say like, oh, it's just something small, something we shouldn't necessarily notice. Um, you know, I think I've experienced microaggressions a lot. And sometimes you don't even realize they're microaggressions because it's just so normalized in your life. Like you just expect to hear it to the point that you forget like it's wrong. Um, and there's actually this one creator on TikTok who I follow. Um, she's this black woman who kind of just talks about like the beauty industry. And she kind of just like reverses everything. So it's like microaggressions towards white women. And it's like the most hilarious thing. And you just realize how normalized it's become because they were talking about like, oh, um, you know, we don't do straight hair here, for example, like at a hair salon or, oh, um, you know, we want to keep the shades like for foundation a little bit darker just because, you know, um, the lighter women might not be able to afford our products and like all these things, right? So she like makes these videos. They're obviously like very hilarious, but it's also just kind of pointing to the fact that um, if roles had been reversed, would microaggressions really be that micro or would we really like take note of them? Um, and, you know, from watching her videos, I just started to realize that there have been so many times where I just take in microaggressions like they're meant to be there um, or like I deserve to hear them. Um, and I think that in large part is just due to the fact that, you know, in school, we let things slide. For example, I have experienced so many microaggressions from teachers, from students. And like in both cases, they'll just be like, oh, you know, it's just a joke. Like, don't take it so seriously. Don't make everything about race. And um, and like slowly, you know, as you're hearing that when you're young and you're getting older, you start like thinking that to yourself, like, oh, don't make everything about race. Like, stop being so sensitive, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
but yeah, I definitely think now having, you know, received a different perspective, I am more cognizant of my progressions and I am a lot faster to kind of be like, correct yourself or I will, you know what I mean? But, <laughs> but definitely, um, I think they do have a large impact on how we, how we see ourselves and how we let people see us too. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting that um, she uses like comedy to approach it. And I think that's, that's a great way to do it because it's more palatable to a wider audience and people are uh, slightly more receptive to that. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned she was on TikTok, right? So yeah. you have over, what is it? 40,000 followers on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Quite a large platform. Like, do you feel the pressure to address certain issues like racism and sexism? Well, okay, so the reason that my, like, TikTok grew as it did, it kind of, like, it took different waves. I got TikTok just for fun as a joke my senior year, so it wasn't necessarily, like, to get this kind of platform. Um, I was first making just, like, hair videos, like, hair care, um, just because that's, like, something that I've learned to love over the past few years, so I just kind of wanted to share that. Um, And then I started making, like, college videos, kind of just, like, college advice, etc., um and I also started doing that on YouTube and so like just random reasons like that it's just kind of how like my TikTok grew and now it's just kind of just like fun videos with my family etc and I do think about this a lot um when I see for example um I like made a video of this as a joke because I just didn't really feel like addressing it in a serious way but this one person commented on my TikTok um because I used to do like day in my life as a Yale student um and my days usually consist of just me doing homework all day so it's not that interesting but this guy commented I'm assuming it's a guy just because of the comment um and they were like oh don't worry about her like she'll marry a rich white guy at Yale and she'll never use her degree or something and then I just made like a I just responded to the to the comment with a video and I was like you're not rocking with educated women like just as a joke right Um, (laughs) I mean like you know it's just things online nowadays it's just I'm low-key like desensitized to it because I'm like you don't know me I don't know you like your opinion means nothing to me but um and then another another video of mine like went semi-viral and it was just about like the class of 2025. And I was like, I can't wait to see where you guys go, blah, blah, blah. And then um, some people were commenting. They were like, like affirmative actions, the only reason you got here, blah, blah, blah. And so at that point, I was like, I think I should make a video just talking about like what affirmative action is, because I think a lot of people do have like that misconstrued perspective. And I just haven't gotten around to it at this point. But, you know, as as tensions do rise in like different like sectors and different like issues come to light um, in our everyday life, I do wonder, I was like, should I make a video about this? Should I talk about this? But then I'm like, you know, there are so many um, like creators who are people of color who talk about this every single day. Like their platform is dedicated to this. Um, And so like, I see people going on like Charlie D'Amelio's page or like Addison Ray's page. And they're like, why aren't you guys talking about Black Lives Matter? Why aren't you guys doing this, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, follow the black and brown creators who are talking about this if that's what you want to hear like you know a white person doesn't have like a white person with like 100 million followers doesn't have to talk about black lives matter for it to suddenly matter to you um why don't you like follow the creators who are actually promoting this on their page and so that's kind of been like my um reason for just you know staying away from that content because i follow so many amazing creators who you know bring different perspectives to serious issues and like use their platform solely for the purpose of like educating people and you know like for for people to expect that that content to be catered to them on every single page doesn't necessarily make sense to me just because like these creators are so well versed in it you know um and they know so much about it and they're like so willing to do the research and to do the work for everyone to hear but then 
like the people consuming the content just want their like two or three favorite creators to make it um, instead of like diversifying and like supporting people of color who are actually doing it. So mm -hmm. I've kind of I've kept that mindset just because I do think it's important to support creators who are actually like devoting their um, their time to these issues. So I've just kept my you know my page to be just somewhat as like not a joke but just like you know just how my life looks every day um, because. The reason that I like made a YouTube channel and even like started talking about um, college on my TikToks is just because I think a lot of people, um, there's like a lot of mystery to college. Like, what does it look like? What's the college apps process? What does it look like when you get into college? What are things that, you know, people don't necessarily tell you? Um, that's a lot of things I experienced because my dad didn't go to school here. And, you know, my sister went to school near our home and it was just like really different for me to um, to be applying to so many schools that that were really difficult to get into and just a lot of the pressure associated with it. So I just wanted to make, you know, my social media platforms a space for for learning about education and for, um, you know, like asking questions. Like I get lots of DMs every single day, like asking, you know, what does Yale look like um, for women of color? What does, you know, what are like some cool organizations at Yale or like how should I start my college apps process? Where should I apply? Right now I've been getting DMs like what school should I go to and they're like tell me some schools and I'm like scared to pick for them because I don't want them to like hate me. So it's just been like a lot of advice giving because I know a lot of first gen students can't go to the, like their parents, for example, or maybe their schools don't have the resources to like have, um, you know, very specialized counselors, etc. So I've kind of just devoted my social media to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's really great that you found your niche. And this is definitely a niche that has um, a lot of need right now especially mm -hmm. like for uh for students like you said who are first gen who don't have access to these resources otherwise so you're kind of like unveiling the mystery a little bit and i really <laughs> like that i think that not everyone has to talk about every single issue there's no way you can be an, an expert in all of that so you mentioned some of the creators that you're following could you uh drop some of them that way anyone who's interested can check them out Actually, yes. Um, a fellow Yaley actually just got on TikTok recently. Um, he was the first black president of Yale actually last year. His name is Khalil Green. Um, his TikTok is actually like so incredible. He talks about like hidden history um, of America in relation to black people, just like different injustices that maybe we didn't really learn about in high school, or maybe it was just kind of blatantly covered up. Um, and so his TikTok has been like super incredible, just even for me, like to learn about different issues that I didn't know about before. Um, and it's been really, really awesome to like see his TikTok grow and like people actually, you know, learn from it. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you so much, Lileda. Um, I really enjoyed hearing, you know, everything you had to say. Um, and thank you for coming on here to inspire other girls to empower each other and support each other. And I hope you find lots of success at Yale and beyond. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of From the Inside. I hope you'll join me on my journey to learn more about feminism. See you next time.